Welcome to Campfire Stories, where we talk about true, scary stories, urban legends, hidden treasure, and anything else you might hear by a campfire. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler Lichty, and thank you for taking a seat by our fire. Hey guys, thank you for joining us. This is the Campfire Stories podcast, where we talk about true, scary stories, urban legends, treasure hunts, and any of that jazz you might hear around a campfire. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler Lichty, along with my friend and co-host. Michael Engel. Engel? I've had a heck of a weekend, and I've had a pretty busy uh, work week two, anyway. Been, I say, yeah, I'd say it's been two weeks since we've you know, yeah. recorded a podcast, so it be interesting to hear what you've had going on. All right, I guess I'll talk about stuff I've done first. So this past uh, weekend, me and my girlfriend, Hannah, we went to Nashville to go see a uh, stand-up comedian. Uh, you guys might know him. His name's Kyle Kinane. He used to be uh, dubbed the voice of Comedy Central. He sounds like he smoked 12 packs a day for his whole life. <laughs> He's pretty funny. He's one of our favorites, uh, comedian-wise. And then his openers, the two openers before him were both really good too we really liked them what we did we went up friday because i had friday off for juneteenth weekend i wake up in the morning i actually had to still go out and go into work that friday morning because i had a project being installed that day and so i had to sign off on my contractors make sure they knew what they were doing here's how to tell you how that day started off i get them all situated I'm out the door, out of the plant by 8.30. I show up about 7 in the morning because that's when I usually clock in, and that's when the contractor showed up. So I get them all set up. I'm out by 8.30. I go. I pick up Hannah, who's 8.30 is early for her to get up, so she's all groggy anyway, too. And so we start driving, and we decide we're going to stop by Sonic real quick, get a drink for the road. We stop and get a drink. As I pull in, I get a call from my contractor's, and they're like, hey, this design isn't going to work for half of these dang uh, carts because uh, some such and such. And it's like, oh, dang, what the heck? Okay. Uh, and so we had to work through that problem. We ended up having to only be able to do half of what we need, uh, of what we wanted to do, which stunk. But we were all right with that. But it kind of put a damper in the morning because it's like, ah, your project isn't. <laughs> working as like it should and so got that situated pulled out of sonic and started driving off to nashville so for those not kind of in the arkansas area from jonesboro to nashville is about it should take about four hours four or 15 maybe depending on where you're going in nashville then as we're driving we kind of hit that little or whatever you want that little nub in uh, Missouri, as I'm going through Missouri, I get pulled over for oh. go. Yeah, I got pulled over for going 65 and a 55. So t- I got pulled over for doing 10 over. Officer Crazy pulls me. Time. I know, right? Officer pulls me over. He's like, "You did. You were doing 10 over back there. Had to pull you over, man." And I honestly think it's just because my Arkansas license plate instead of Missouri, you know. Honestly, it's so much yep. easier to get pulled over when you're out Racist. of state. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so he pulls me over. And he's like, license and proof of insurance. I give him my license. I'm looking for my insurance. Come to find out. I had my sister's insurance card in my truck. And she <laughs> has mine in her truck. Officer was nice enough. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. It came up on your record when I ran it through with your license. License, you're fine. And he goes, we're just going to give you a citation. I mean, that's essentially a ticket, but he, he worded it nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then gave me a citation. He went, yeah, this weekend we're running uh, radar just about everywhere in the state right now. This is our weekend to catch people speeding. And I was like, oh, awesome. I just chose the wrong weekend. <laughs> of course, you would do it on June Juneteenth, officer. How dare you? Juneteenth, yeah. Gotta fight that, fight the system. Exactly. 
And so we finally get that settled. By then, I'm, it's like, this is a great start to the trip, right? <laughs> and then we hit a some kind of traffic jam. Nice. And then we hit a traffic jam in uh, Nashville, too. <laughs> Set us back. We didn't get to where we were going until about 2. And so if we do the quick math, that's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2. That's 6 hours minus the half hour. So that was 5 and a half hours. That's an hour and a half longer than what it should have been so that was that was fun but so we get in there at two our show doesn't start till seven we're not going to get in there till about six ish we get done with that so we decide to uh stop at the opry mills mall and it that's a freaking giant mall they have in nashville and uh so we just kind of go around the mall look at different stuff heck i guess i'll go ahead and tell the podcast listeners it doesn't really matter uh, me and Hannah, we went and picked out a uh, promise ring together. Got that. And oh, I know, right? And so we, yeah, and then we looked all button. And so we looked at, so we got th- we, that ordered. And then we just looked around and got looked at a bunch of other stuff, you know. Just kind of shot the crap. Went to a couple chocolate stores. Ate lunch too. Eventually, go to the comedy show. And comedy show has a uh, two item limit or two item minimum per person. So we just got our dinner there too. I got a burger, fries, and a mocktail. And she got a burger, fries, and mocktail. She's she's not driving. She should have got a cocktail. <laughs> and she's not twenty one though either. Oh, sorry. I yeah. forget some people follow that rule. <laughs> oh. And so got done with that. <laughs> And then we didn't rent a place in uh, Nashville. No, no, no. So we drove back that night when we got done about nine o'clock. <laughs> and then we got so we got home. You over. We got home about one thirty, and then I woke up at six o'clock to go back into work that next day because I my contractors were still doing work so i had to sign off on them doing stuff again so that was my weekend basically and then uh this week work-wise i've just been (laughs) pretty busy i think i've had maybe 20 minutes to 30 minutes of idle time between these last three days not including lunch anyway and so i've I've been kind of just go 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 all week but i'm sure that was all pretty fun to listen to but that's a little bit of what's been going on with me angle what have you been up to Oh, not much here. Uh, took a little trip with the family. Went up to the the hills there in uh, around the Clinton Clinton area, Heber Springs Lake. Kind of, we have a cabin up there, so we kind of just hung out, went fishing, did a lot of swimming. See just, any Bigfoots? You know, no Bigfoots, which is weird. That's like Bigfoot territory, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was just me, my brother, and then my mom and dad. So we hadn't really done anything like that in a while. So enjoyed that. That's uh, good. They're playing with the uh, metal detector some. Find just anything. Out in the yard. Found some horseshoes, hatchet head, just that kind of stuff. I guess we're ready to start. So, Engel, who starts us off this week? Me or you? Who started last week? I, I believe it's I believe it's you. I'm starting start us off. This week. Yes, sir. The first for worst. Oh, okay. I have a good story this week. All right. Yeah, we'll let you go last anyway. So if you guys remember last time I was talking about Skinwalkers and I mentioned I'd talk about Skinwalker Ranch next time we had an episode. So that's what I'm going into today. And so, like I said, I'm going to continue from last episode. Basically, we already know what Skinwalkers are, kind of their background now. Now I'm going to dive into Skinwalker Ranch. So this was a farm originally owned and originally named by uh, Terry Sherman. And this is located in uh, northeast Utah, which is by a bunch of uh, UT tribe land, their old reservation anyway. Uh, Terry Sherman here, he has this farm. And about 18 months after moving onto the property with his family, Terry ends up selling whole farm away the whole farm's 212 acres as well so it's not 
no little farm either. It's this giant plot of land. And just after less than, I think that's about a year and a half, he just sells the place, right? Terry and his wife, they first come out to uh, a local reporter in June of 1996 about strange occurrences that's happening on their farm. With They have stories of crop circles, UFOs, and then this systematic and repeated mutilation of their cattle, which would involve really surgical cuts and it being completely bloodless as well on their cattle. And then about three months after they report these stories, the family ends up selling the farm to this guy named uh, Robert Bidgelow. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly, but he's a UFO enthusiast out of uh, Nevada and Las Vegas, if I remember correctly. And they sell this land for $200,000. So a good bit of money too. What Robert does as soon as he buys this land is he sets up this around the clock surveillance of the ranch to try to capture all this stuff. And all this surveillance ends up leading to a book Longingly titled Hunt for the Skinwalker, Science Confronts the Unexplained at a Remote Ranch in Utah. A little bit of a mouthful for a book title, but it gets the point across. And so many of the researchers that were helping with this book claim to have seen or experienced some kind of paranormal activity on this ranch as well. But however, there wasn't any meaningful physical evidence to support the Sherman family claims. Then, after a while, the farm is sold again to this real estate agency called Adam, Adamantium Real Estate, who then applied the trademark Skinwalker Ranch to the place. There's more to this ranch than just those extraterrestrial incidents, or else it wouldn't be named Skinwalker Ranch. And so, there's a lot of incidents that involve some kind of creature. So a lot humanoid and some with animals. So the Shermans themselves claim to see large, mysterious animals. One particular incident was when Terry, the uh, husband who owned the land, saw a wolf that was three times the normal size of a wolf. And when Terry saw it, he shot at it with close at close range with a rifle, and it had no effect on the beast. And so that was one incident that Terry had with these large animals. And then on the night of March 12th, 1997, so this is after they sell farm. So this is to a completely different person as well. This is to a biochemist on the ranch. And his name is Colm Kellner. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly as well. It, is also a little whack. But he claimed to have seen a large humanoid creature watching the research team from a tree. And the creature was about 50 yards away from them, about 20 feet off the ground in in the tree. And Colm said, and this is his quotes, the large creature that lay motionless almost casually in the tree. The only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixatedly back into the light. The team then shot the creature with a rifle and it disappeared. Then Combs states, and this is his quote as well, it was then that I saw it, a single obvious oval track about six inches in diameter embedded deeply in the patch of snow. It looked unusual, a single large print in the snow with two sharp claws protruding from the rear of the mark going a couple of inches deeper. It almost looked like a bird of prey, maybe a raptor print, but from the depth of the print, it looked like a very heavy creature. And so these these sightings of these creatures are what led this place to be almost alluded to as Skinwalker Ranch, because many people claim to say all these uh, creatures and all these incidences were the work of Skinwalkers. One hole in that theory is that this ranch is over 400 miles north of Navajo Nation. So what gives? Because this is also, like I said earlier, UT land. 
so people kind of go, well, is this really skinwalkers? Is this something maybe from the UT kind of belief system or whatever? But what happened was, so the Navajo and the UT did not really jive well. And the Navajo were aggressive and tried to take their land and basically did. They traveled north and took as much land as they wanted to, and they took the UT as slaves as well. A lot of people think that perhaps that the land was cursed during this process. Not just Skinwalker Ranch seems to be having these paranormal issues. The surrounding area has some strange events as well. We have this place called Bottle Bottle Hollow, which is a 420-acre reservoir on UT land next to the ranch. They have an incident in 1998 where a police officer saw a large light plunge into the reservoir and then reemerge before flying off into the sky at night. Then another similar instance in 2002 where four men are standing on the reservoir's shoreline. They see a this blue-white ball enter the lake and dive into the water just feet from the shore. And then the light then emerges out of the water seconds later, but in a new form as a uh, shimmering maneuverable belt shaped like a shaft of light, as they put it. And I quote from them, after performing a brief withering aerial dance, the belt of light zipped away at a high rate of speed hugging the ground before disappearing below the top of Skinwalker Ridge. A lot of people wonder, okay, what the crap could this be? You know, but according to UT beliefs that springs and certain waterways were reservoirs of negative power and that there were evil spirits or evil sprites that would rise up out of the water and drag you in. That's a lot of the main kind of activities that have happened around the Skinwalker Ranch area. And it seems like this area and really just that four corners area too, you know, with Colorado, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, it just seems like that area of the United States just seems to be the epicenter of so many, you know, uh, paranormal sightings or like uh, urban legends and all that. And really, you know, with all this crap, you at least some of it's got to be, you know, true or witnessed anyway. Not everyone's going to be make, making everything up. So, And if just one of those stories is true, it's some crazy stuff to really be seeing. I mean, you have that giant three times the normal size of a wolf. You have the dang humanoid creature in a tree watching a research team. You have two balls of light. Make you question what you're smoking. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it is near Colorado, isn't it? I do like how those uh, scientists were like, oh, there's something in the tree. Let's shoot at it. The name of science. (laughs) Let's shoot it. Well, by then, this is after uh, Terry has sold the land and Terry has already come out with all these dang stories i don't think they probably don't want to go ah oh, let's check it out they go ah oh, get it away you know before it drains us of blood honestly or does Where's something anyway and so i mean it's just crazy all these stories coming out of this one area too it's like the bermuda triangle of skinwalkers just because i think i think largely just because there's nothing there like you can get away you know what i mean like whatever is there knows that it can get away with being there because it's not as many witnesses just yeah it's kind of those like areas are not almost. as populated you kind of said you had something similar and you've gone over this in one of our stories about a ball of light saying a ball of light yes uh yeah and I was, I was thinking about that when it was talking about it flying out of the reservoir that's like kind of it reminded me of what i seen that night and like yeah like it moves at different speeds. It's not like a consistent fast takeoff. It was like a hovering ball of light before yeah. it whipped away. So, but it wasn't the same color. Uh, the one I saw was more orange, I think. Mm-hmm. But, but 
going into you know all these stories as well it's kind of hard to find a real possible explanation for most of these things i mean maybe you could say it's just some freak wolf some freak genetic wolf sure you still shot at it and it didn't have any effect on it that's pretty hard to explain you have that thing i mean it also depends on what what you were shooting with like uh you know bears or uh, anything smaller than you know certain caliber it's not gonna do anything this is that is true penetrate the fur yeah so you got a point uh, i know in in hunting like the differences in like your size of your deer and stuff also depend on like where you are just because the minerals and the resources that the, you know, the deer eat. Mm-hmm. And that could be the same thing, you know, with the wolves, like the wolves might just be larger there. It might just be weird, something like that. Well, I mean, still though, you wouldn't just have, I guess you could, but it's, they've seen wolves there before. And this is just one wolf that they've seen. That's, you know, three times as big. Right, and then going into the creature that the research team saw at night, that one could be explained away. Probably, you know, dark, some kind of creature. You just see yellow eyes. You, you know, you never know with that if it's just some creature that they just can really tell the outline of. You know, shapes of the night, playing tricks on them, that kind of stuff too. Like. The yellow eyes kind of remind me of like a cougar or a mountain lion. I was, I was thinking an owl. An owl, yeah. Owls do look that, that, that kind of makes sense, though. If you ever seen like a, a naked owl, like a shaved owl, they look terrifying. Or I bet, owls. yeah, yeah. So, but then you still also do have those balls of light seen by two different parties at that reservoir. I mean, we'll never know, even if we saw it. We still wouldn't know what it was like. No. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, that's the fascinating part is like, you can't just explain it away. You can't explain everything away. away. You always have something that's like, boring. well, yeah. Yeah. It'd be a boring story. Like, yeah, I saw these lights, but it was like, I don't know. <laughs> they were doctor. actually just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I don't see any helicopter going into the lake and then coming back out. Yeah. I don't see a podcast over it either. Like, we kind of make our living off the unexplained yeah yeah wait we make a living off of this uh yes we do yeah yeah, yeah. all the funds anyway all right you want to get into your story angle yes i'm excited all right i started to cut you off like three times already i know but (laughs) all right let's get into it Not a treasure story this week, but this week I'm going to talk about uh, a lot of people are familiar with this. It's the uh, Dyatlov Dyatlov Pass incident. It's probably pronounced differently, but I don't know. So basically, uh, like I said, a lot of people are familiar with the story. It's been on a lot of like podcasts and TV shows. Uh, There's un- a couple games. Mysteries. Yeah, games about it. But uh, basically, to sum it up, on uh, January 25th, 1959, nine Russian hikers ventured into the North Ural Mountains for a few weeks, set to return no later than 12th of February. Uh, they were never heard from again. Just about a week after they were supposed to be back, a search, search and rescue party goes looking for them. A few days later, after that, they find the group's tattered, tattered tent and gear. The tent has been cut open from the inside. They also find most of the group's shoes and clothes and cold weather gear. The search party follows tracks, barefoot tracks and uh, tracks and socks away from the site. And eventually they come to a small campfire under a tree. This is where they find the first two bodies uh, wearing only underwear. The tree they were under has broken branches, suggesting they've either climbed, you know, tried to climb it to look for camp or to like, get away from something. Yeah. Uh, after this, the tracks turn back up to the tent and uh, here they find three more bodies. Uh, <clears throat> suggest they were trying to return to the tent or get away from that, you know, the campfire one. Mm-hmm. They were uh, spread out about 100 meters apart, uh, each one. Uh, the, re- the remaining bodies weren't found until uh, a few months later, once the uh, snow had melted. 
Yeah, uh, they were found at the bottom of, of a uh, bottom of a ravine under thirteen foot of snow. Uh, the bodies were taken back, and the uh, Russian authorities did autopsies and uh, reveals that six of them died from hypothermia, three died from severe trauma, one had major skull trauma, two had severe chest trauma, and one of them had a small crack in the skull. One of the bodies that were like heading back from the tent had a small crack. And how and, many? Uh, how many bodies is that total? Total that is nine. Right, nine people, six, yeah, okay, four, two, three, yeah. So, and uh, there's a lot of theories going out of there. They obviously left in some kind of hurry to enough to forget their shoes, yeah, and, uh, clothes. Theories could be anywhere from a snow avalanche to a Yeti attack. Right? Ah, the Yeti, yeah. Uh, it's 2020. The reinvestigation actually, they did a, a computer model of it, and it, it was concluded to be an avalanche. Really? But yes, this is like new, by the way. I was about to it's say, like I haven't heard this. Confirmed. Yeah, I just looked it up, but 100% conclude or uh, confirmed to be an avalanche based off like they did a computer model. And like I don't know how they figured it out. Now was this Russia's <laughs> investigation? Yeah, yeah, it was a Russian investigation. Ooh, ooh. But I know. Interesting. And looking back, I was reading that they had solved it. You know, said it was an avalanche. But then there's a lot of things that don't add up if it wasn't avalanche. Like one, Why? Like I could kind of see the tent was tattered. You know, enough for yeah, maybe an avalanche could have gone over it. But if it was an avalanche, how did they find the footprints? Leading away from the tent. Yes, and why avalanche and like, and then we have five bodies too that weren't. We have five bodies that weren't completely covered in snow that they found. Yeah, weren't buried in snow. So, and also looking at the pictures uh, of where they're hiking, they were hiking. Their their campsite was, you know, very close to the summit. So, like, any kind of avalanche, I don't see them scaring them enough to, like, take off running. Yeah. And then I do see where so, you could say avalanche, or I can see where that might yeah, come into play like, with uh, finding those bodies under the tree. The picture real quick. Okay. But finding those bodies under the but tree. around a, a campfire is what, and naked, is what killed me. Yes. If you look here, from the top of the summit, I sent you the picture, but from the top of the summit to where they are, it's about, you know, a hundred foot. They're about a thousand meters from the summit, but it's only like a hundred foot in elevation. So there's like not enough snow there. And then, mm-hmm. but you do find the bodies, like they're all going kind of downhill. So that could be, but like you said, they all, it looks like they all survived the avalanche. Why they didn't make it doesn't make sense interesting and you could argue that you know the severe trauma to the bodies are from the avalanche but you could also argue they weren't so i will like, say I see some of these be yeah go ahead i will say i've heard that uh hypothermia can make you feel like you're burning which mm-hmm. could be why they're found they were getting yeah, getting naked. Yeah. So that could be part of the get, explanation. You only get that. hyperthermia, though, if you like started out. Like, why do they start out naked? Well, I mean, and another thing I mean, they are outside some of their in the snow. Yeah. Another theory was that some of their comrades had like stripped them of their clothes. Like the four in the ravine were found with the most clothing on, which means. Um, for me, it concludes that they had survived the longest because they had like gathered the clothes off all their friends. Okay, but why? I don't understand why they weren't. Because it, it seemed like the campsite or the campfire was a splitting a splitting part, or like where they split up. Like three went back to the could tents, there, and the other four went down the ravine. I mean, could there have been like an incident at the camp, and like one party got super? PO'd at the other party and they started fighting or whatever. Yeah, they could, were turning on each other. Could that be a possibility? 
I don't see all that's like all of them die scenario. Like worst case scenario, somebody gets a black eye. Like how do you kill nine people and they all you know in a Mexican standoff? I, I, I get like, what you're saying. Of, yes. Yeah. I don't. You yeah. don't see how that would end up in death. No. Did and then so. I might be confusing this with some other unsolved mystery I've heard, but. Don't the bodies also don't some of the bodies have like some radiation or something to them or is that oh something yes else? that's another thing is I think it was either all or most of the bodies had like a spike in radiation and so that is another thing, which one uh, theory gave way to the theory that there was like government yes uh, intervention yeah and then heck if this is a freaking cover up I was about to say if this. Yeah investigations by russia they're gonna be like oh it was was an avalanche don't you see obviously you know that's why i believe this yeah that's why i believe this avalanche thing is still cover up like i still don't it it still doesn't make sense that they found footprints after an avalanche and not only after an avalanche but it was like after like 19 or it was like two weeks after it actually happened and they were still able to find, find foot tracks yes I don't know. It's and so what it's time, a big mess. And, what year did you say this took place again? Uh, nineteen fifty nine. So is this right there in the Cold War? Yeah, I was about to say this is right during the Cold War. Maybe these guys are going out there, and Russian government's like, "Oh, this is where we keep our secret base for our radioactive yeah. crap," and they're That's like, what "We got to, we got to take them out." Which but makes I think a theory that disproves that is is. Like if there was a base or something, it's like the search party. The first one was uh, students and teachers from the uh, institute that they were all from. Yeah. So I think anything that they had saw, all these people would have seen too. So. Well, so unless it was like military testing or. I, don't know. I think possibly, but, you know, that they killed this small group yeah, that- of. Did you get that text I sent you? Yes, I yeah, I see that picture. Yeah. And I, I see yeah. what you mean about the elevation. So what I think, you know, possibly you said this was a group of nine, right? Right. That's a lot easier to kill and explain away than a giant search party, right? And so right. maybe they saw this group and they went, Crap, we can't let them possibly see this base or whatever. So let's just take them out now, and then by the time a search party does come, we'll be able to scrub whatever we have in this area. Yeah, you know, and have our yeah have our stuff hidden. Yeah, it's. I think it's very interesting that they well, you know had radiation on them, or that someone even thought to check for radiation. Yeah, why would they but, dis- think to check that? Is the other thing. Yeah. But I don't know. Those deemed smarter than us who concluded it was an avalanche. But now, here goes the second part. Oh, no. Yes. Did you know that there was another Diatolf Pass incident? There was? Yes. I did not. Known as, in quotations, the other Diatolf Pass incident. Oh, awesome. Um, Creative name. And the cool thing about this one is. Yeah. There was a survivor. Okay. So get ready. Get ready. All right. So it's 1993. And you basically got the same, you know, group dynamic. It's seven well-experienced hikers. Uh, They're all young adults. Their leader, the leader of the group was an actual, like, they did this for a living, a guide. Uh, So they set out for on a multi-day hike. Uh, This one, it's earlier in or later in the year so all of a sudden it's not not as cold not it's not mm-hmm. snowy uh, so they hike out uh there's another group there's another hike in the area yeah so that's important to know okay and it's the the leader of this of the other hike is the sisters is the sister of this leader so okay um, so they're out there hiking after a few days nothing is heard from them so it's been about, I think it was about a week. It's about a week hike. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me let's cut all that. I'm stumbling. Anyway, after a few days, nothing is heard from them. On yeah. August 10th, 
two Ukraine kayakers. They're out there kayaking on the there's a lake out there. I forget which one, but it's like the deepest in the world. Very okay. popular attraction. So they're out there kayaking and they come across a near catatonic girl wandering around in the forest. Uh, so they try to talk to her. She's not making any sense. They uh, got her back to civilization and take her to the police. Mm-hmm. Over the next few days, uh, she tells her story. So she was the only survivor. They're out there. The first few few, Yes. Okay. Uh, Apparently. First few days, they're on the trip. They're uneventful and peaceful. Uh, She says on the third day, August 4th, it began to rain. So they set up a cold camp because they couldn't find any dry firewood. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the morning, they eat breakfast. The rain has stopped. They pack everything up and they begin the hike. Uh, After hiking for a few minutes... The last person in the line begins to bleed from his eyes and ears. It drops to the ground, foaming at the mouth. Uh, the leader of the group then brings them to a halt. Yeah. Uh, tells them to get away, <laughs> give them some room, runs to help, right? Okay. She gets to him and then collapses on top of him with the same symptoms. After a few moments, they're both dead. Another person goes over to help. Starts displaying the same symptoms, collapses, begins clawing at her throat before she crawls to a rock and bashes her head in. Maybe they should stop going to so them. In less than a minute, four people. In less are than dead. a minute, three people are dead. Three. So three. the rest yeah, yeah. panic. As uh, you would the girl, do. The survivor. Yeah. The girl, the survivor, uh, freezes in place, unsure what to do. Yeah. Uh, one dude cowers behind a rock and then the last two take off running for the wood line which is about a thousand meters off i think all that understandable Uh, before they yeah before they too though start to show symptoms the guys running Uh, to the wood also mentions yes she said she also mentions that as they were like you know collapsing uh she says that one of them turns and bites the other before they both collapse what and die. Before you get anywhere near the woods. Let's see. The last two uh, finally snap out of it and take off running for the woods. So the girl and the guy that's cowering behind the rock. Yeah. Before he, like, before they, they're close. So before they, before they get there, he collapses with the same symptoms. And the yeah. girl is the only one who makes it to the woods. And then she's only uh, near dead because I guess she hadn't had any food and was roughing it on her own by then, right? Uh, yeah, she says here she hides till nightfall. In the morning, she decides to go back to her friends. She finds them in the exact same spot, all dead, none of them moves. Uh, she goes ahead and scavenges the gear and the food and then roams the forest for six days until she's found by the crane guy because she didn't have a map. It says she... Yeah, have a map for some reason. So, so that the dead bodies didn't contaminate her though, then, right? No, but she didn't. Yeah, she also didn't immediately go to them. I I get that, but Neither. I still think it would. You know, it was one day is what that timeline was, right? Between. Yeah, I don't see how between... any disease that was like immediately like boom to you boom to you you're dead you're dead if that's some disease mm-hmm. one yeah, person it's had like, it's not like it covid 19 this is like instant touch like rick and morty there was no sound he just touched him and died kind of but thing. i don't see how that just goes away in one day either is the thing unless it's yeah. just highly volatile i, don't I guess i don't know like i said it's intense yes just, just reading this i found it i was like Holy crap. And, and so, I, I might have like, you know, butchered like there might have been some time like like the leader, you know, it said that she went over there to help and she was helping them for a second before she too. So like it wasn't like instant, it was more, you know, a couple seconds of exposure. Still though, that's you know almost yeah. And I like <clears throat> some of them they kind of like it was mostly the same symptoms, but there was like some variations like uh, the third guy to die had like had started time. grabbing at her throat, yeah, and then like banged bashed her, head, her, like, bashed head. her yeah. head in on a rock, and then you know one of the two running had like turned to bite the other before they both died. That's you know what I mean. 
And the first guy it said he was foaming at the mouth. They didn't say any of the others were foaming. Just they were bleeding from their eyes and ears. But man, yeah, I, was I don't know. Like, everything you hear, like it always mentions the first incident, but it never. And this one's like newer, nineteen ninety three. So that's you know that second one sounds a lot more intense too. Yeah. Which the first one might have been intense. We just don't. We know, just don't exactly. have any like reference here, to it. Yeah. We get yeah. Here we get the play by play, which is yeah. I just what? find it interesting, like in the same area. How is that woman now, though? Do you know? I don't know. I didn't. I, I assume didn't she's fine. Up on her. She hasn't days, been. Yeah. She hasn't died in a uh, apparent suicide with three gunshots to the back of the head or anything. Yeah, the gulag. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what know. that one sounds less government intervention than the first one, though. Because yeah. if it was government can, intervention, they would have just taken out the survivor, I'd assume. Right. And it's and it's also said that they went back and it said that and the, bodies the leader had died of a heart. Yeah. And it said that the search party that went to look for him said that uh it said that the leader had died of a heart attack. Yes. So that would be the second one to die. And yeah. then the rest died from hyperthermia. Is what the autopsy performed. So but I think by the time they actually got there. It had been like, you know, uh, several days. Yeah. Or let's say it took them a week to find her. So that's that's maybe another about six days. Okay. Because she was found on a this happened on August 4th and she was found on August 10th. Mm. And it took, I think it said it took like a day or two. So maybe a week or back to the police. So do you think. And it's warmer out there in August. I think there was some decomposition and animal play to the bodies before they got there. Mm-hmm. So there might not have been nothing to go off of. But still hyperthermia. Yeah, like, that was there. So yes. I guess I could see maybe what happens is they go into shock. I don't see shock how it's high. What? Like they had just from bleeding just from the eyes after eating. But what is that from? I don't know, but I'm saying you know whatever caused that caused that and mm. that itself caused them to go into shock from their things they're unable to do anything and then they eventually die from hyperthermia because mm-hmm. i mean this is still what northern right. russia so it's still gonna get cold no matter what time of the year it is yeah yeah i, don't, I think it, it kind of interesting you know the bleeding from the eyes and ears it's almost like anthrax or something more instant like that mm-hmm. like anthrax will kill you in seconds too what is anthrax exactly <clears throat> can you explain that to me i'm not familiar uh, that's a I have to Google it. I, all I know is from watching uh, The Rock with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> is it like a gas or a drug? It's almost like anthrax. It's an infection caused by bacteria. That kills you in seconds? In the movie, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty dangerous because I think the uh, United States like military and stuff would do <clears throat> biochemical warfare and this is kind of the same thing yeah it's like a spore oh it, usual onset is one day to two months on contact <laughs> one day to two depending, months that's a range yeah depending it says depending on the dosage though so i bet if you get a whole bunch of it at once yeah but you know something like that where it's like a biochemical and that way because it said she kind of like she got away from the scene and then waited and went back. So, like, by then it had, like, the wind had blown away the contamination or whatever it was. That was I do think Maybe. it's fascinating. Is that yes, the two people that kind of, like, stood still the longer, the longest, were the ones that lived the longest. Like Maybe they... If you remember, like... They didn't get caught in like, the breeze of it? The, or I don't know. Yeah, like, the dude that cowered behind the rock and, like, her, it said they were they had frozen in place. Yeah. But he had, but he had also like moved behind the rocks. Maybe that's why he died too and got like into it. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I'm not. <clears throat> like I'm saying, it's just I don't know. I just find it very interesting that there was a second one. So. And you really, I like I said, I'd never heard about that, and most people don't talk about that. And that I mm-hmm. think that's just as interesting, if not more interesting, than the first case, honestly. Yeah, I don't know why it's because you have a witness. You have a witness. witness you have kind of more to go off of, but it seems even more mysterious, though. 
like you I don't see any. The less I, you actually, I was know. about to say you don't have any know-how of what causes it. Like you know what happens, but you still have no idea what causes it. That's the that's the right. scary thing, honestly. It, My guess would be more government intervention. I guess maybe I don't know. There, there's this one bit by a stand-up comedian, and he talks about. He's like, he's like, he was talking about you know these teenage stoners, and they hear about a guy who died upstairs above them, and the police officer says, "Oh, that's okay. Guy died upstairs." Don't worry, it was by natural causes. And then the one of the stone hit stoners that are that's completely stoned out goes, "He said it's by natural causes. That means it could happen to any of us at any time." No, I got so. And I think the survivor, she was uh, seventeen at the time. Oh wow, so young says, too. So yeah, I can't. So she wasn't going... the youngest one. The youngest one there was fifteen. <clears throat> Golly, I can't imagine going through all the that. The youngest one, <laughs> that young, yeah, was the boy behind the boy behind the rock is the fifteen year old. Okay, so. were they possibly the two youngest ones? Uh, no, there was a sixteen year old. Okay, one of the ones who was taken off running was the sixteen year old. And who's the who's the oldest? The leader, I'm assuming. But how old was the yes, leader? The leader was forty one years old. Oh, okay. Who's the first to die? First to die was Sacha. And he was? So he, the Sacha was the 23 years old. He was okay. like the, the co-leader. Yeah. He was 23. So he was like the second in, second in command. Maybe the, you know, the, those three that were, you know, pretty young, that kind of survived longer, you know, 16, 15, and 17, you know. You could have those three ages, and even though that 17-year-old might be older than the 16 and 17, their body at that point still might be kind of less mature than the other two. I mean, you could take that to, into account. Maybe yeah, body wasn't quite as developed. I don't know. I'm not. I'm just spitballing think, um, ideas why she survived. The 16-year-old one is the one that – she was one of the ones that ran, and she was the one that bit the other dude who was 24. So Interesting. I don't think it ages. It's all. I think it was how close you were. Yeah. To the back. I wish I. I wish I'm it just had trying like to how they were marching in the wall. Yes. It's, yeah. It's, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out why it she feels like survive. <clears throat> yeah. The first person was contaminated, and then like how close you were to that. That it happened. I don't know. Yeah, that's my story for a week. That was a good one. I felt like. I think I so really too. That that. that I'm I'm glad you shared that. That was really interesting. I like I said, I haven't yeah. heard that second incident. Yeah, that's that's all I got to share tonight. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I wouldn't say that's all you got because that was freaking interesting. I like that one, Angel. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I have. That's all you have. I think it. We have a pretty longer going episode today. We do because I had pretty much two stories. I had to yeah. recap first incident. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I just want to go ahead and thank all the listeners we've been getting. We're I'm constantly amazed how many people are listening into us. I I know we're not exactly the biggest, but just you know we're getting people who don't really know us listening to us too. And I know a lot of people that know us aren't listening to it too because you know just because heck I'll put a little uh, code word sixty people. Yeah, honestly. But yeah, here, I'll put a little code word in here. If you know us personally and you can reach out to us personally, send us uh, a message with uh, strawberries in it. That'll be our little code. See if you're, if we know you're listening to us or not. And if we don't know you, thanks for the social anxiety. Exactly. <laughs> I was just doing this for the, the people I knew. But... Honestly. But... Again, I just want to thank everyone for listening. It's awesome just seeing how many more people we're getting per episode now. Like, I think when we started off, we were getting maybe nine or ten plays. And then just looking at a lot of these episodes, we're in the, I mean, it's nothing to brag about. We're in the 30s, which, I mean, 30, in my opinion, is a good 
number too, because I mean that's thirty people constantly listening to us. Our first episode has eighty-eight <laughs> listens to it, and that's crazy in itself to me. So once we that's more people that follow my meme account, oh uh, yeah, but yeah, we just want to thank you guys for listening. You know, me and Engel, we do this for fun just because we like these types of stories. But whenever we get some people who actually like listening to these stories too, it just makes it even better. With all that mushy, gushy stuff out of the way, I think it's time we uh, kick out our campfire. Engel? I can agree. In the morning, though, if one of us collapses, just take off running. No, or don't. Don't just stay still. I don't know. Stay still. Honestly. Who knows? All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next one. We'll see you guys soon. Goodbye.